When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From Variety, celebrating more than 115 years covering the business of entertainment, this is the Award Circuit Podcast. I never had to have such a mass disillusionment in public. I, you know, make movies and therefore people take my picture a lot, but that's, yeah. you know, I'm I'm not running away from anything. I'm I'm not running towards myself in a desperate sort of attempt to become a real person. I'm actually just being a real person in public most of the time. <laughs> yeah. So that's uh yeah, e- easy to compare, but I think like the reason those cameras are there are just so different. Kristen Stewart knows it's easy to compare her life in the limelight to that of the royal family but she notes that it's actually very different. I'm Clayton Davis. On this episode of the Variety Award Circuit Podcast, we talked to Kristen Stewart about taking on the role of Princess Diana in the Neon and Topic Studios feature, Spencer, as well as the status of her adaptation of the memoir, The Chronology of Water, and much more. It's all on this edition of the Variety Award Circuit Podcast. Stay close. Kristen Stewart is garnering a ton of awards buzz for her performance as Princess Diana in Pablo Lorraine Spencer. In the film, Stewart plays Diana over the course of three days during a bruising Christmas holiday at the Sandrinum estate with the royal family. Mom, they are about to open the bedrooms. It's coming! Mommy, why do we have to open our presents on Christmas Eve? Why not Christmas Day like everybody else? You know, at school you do tenses. Yeah. yeah. It's the past, the present, the future. Right. Well, here, there is only one tense. There is no future. The past and the present are the same thing. The Neon and Topic Studios film has thrusted Stewart to the forefront of the Best Actress race and could bring her her first career Oscar nomination. Her role as Diana Spencer is sensationally complex and beautifully inventive, and after debuting at Venice and Telluride, the raves for Stewart's daring performance were fast and fierce from critics and festival attendees. I recently spoke with Stewart as Spencer was finally hitting theaters, and we began by discussing how the Oscar campaign trail has been treating her. It's been good. It's like, uh, you know, something that is pretty uniquely like anticipated. It's not every day that you are a part of, of projects that are um, so aptly scrutinized. You know yeah. what I mean? It's, it's nice to have a large, expansive conversation. So it's been a long one, but it's been good. Awesome. 
Uh, I guess the first question is, why Princess Diana? Why at this point in your career? That is the first question. Yeah. Yeah. Why Princess Diana? Uh, Well, it wasn't my idea. Um, I'd love to take credit for that. But Stephen Knight wrote this um, really impeccable, oddly kind of perfectly constructed dream. And it was one that was like, you know, just full of curiosity and and projection because obviously nobody knows what happened when, when these people went inside and went into their own homes and had their own private lives. Uh, But obviously like the information that we do have is, is titillating and, and obviously like, um, uh, hard to decipher. Therefore, we've really like leaned in, um, in, in a, in a big way. And, um, why? I mean, it's definitely, it's, it's a, it's a movie about a woman running very, very swiftly towards embodiment. And it's kind of the first time in cinematic history that we're allowed to kind of open perspective and really take a look inside a more complicated version of what it is to live inside a female body under such scrutiny. And it just seems like, uh, yeah, kind of a good, good time to examine that, that life. How much you, did you identify with that aspect of her life? Because obviously you, there's a lot of similarities there of like living in the spotlight under constant eyes always on you. Did you, how did you prepare for that? Um, I think from an outsider's perspective, it's very easy to draw parallels. It's clear, you know, our lives both include many cameras, uh, but the reason those cameras are there and what they're photographing is the impetus is so starkly different. I'm, you know, I'm always very selfishly seeking and exploring my desires and whether that's in the form of making movies or, you know, floundering around in public being a normal person, I have no actual definitive moral expectations. You know what I mean? Like, I think to be a, to be a princess and a part of such an institution and to be encouraged to exemplify an ideal that doesn't exist, but one that you were raised to believe in and then sort of very quickly come to terms with the fact that it's farcical is really painful. And to do that at such a young age, like I, I never had to come to terms with any sort of like, uh, like clearing up of, I never had to have such a mass disillusionment in public. I, you know, make movies and therefore people take my picture a lot, but that's, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm not running away from anything. I'm, I'm not running towards myself in a desperate sort of attempt to become a real person. I'm actually just being a real person in public most of the time. <laughs> yeah. So that's, uh, yeah, e- easy to compare, but I think like the reason those cameras are there are just so different. I have to allow you to speak fondly of the greatest Sally Hawkins that I've ever known because I love her so much and the villainous, presence of Timothy Spall <laughs> in this movie. How was it like working with them and, and these great British character actors? Um, well, I feel so, com- I felt so comforted by both of their uh, presences on this set. I guess kind of as like a sort of um, sign off, like they were sort of the the British front saying like, yes, you are allowed to play her. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, well, it. if you guys say it's okay, I guess maybe I can take a shot at this. Um, uh, Sally is an angel in this movie and in real life as well. Honestly, I think the things that are conveyed on screen that you don't have to fabricate and cultivate and fake are always the things that, that 
you know, that actually wind up being the best parts of the movies that we love. Uh, Sally walks into a room and I am alleviated. <laughs> um, she is like a built-in best friend. I just think uh, I had the opportunity to meet her on this movie, but when I heard that she was doing it, I was like already like great that is that is built in comfort immediately like I don't yeah. even need to meet this woman she would it, it would have been shocking if she was like a real jerk because she's kind of everything that you want that person to be um, and then Timothy is another just like <laughs> seminal daunting presence to have on set Pablo is such he just absolutely reveres this person mm -hmm. the first day he came to set he was like I have to tell you you know I am extremely nervous today <laughs> I was like, why? What the hell is going on? I was like, oh, right, Timothy, it's a big deal. Um, the fact that they signed on to this movie knowing that I was on it before did feel good, to be quite yeah, honest. Yeah. I was like, I mean, look, these guys, like, not only are they, like, some of the best, best actors of our time, I feel that they wouldn't want to, like, betray their country. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so. Oh, that's awesome. I do want the Sally Hawkins, Kristen Stewart buddy cop comedy. Because if she's a built-in best friend, then that's what it leads to, right? We can have that movie, and it'd be awesome. We were consistently pissing in our pants the entire time we were making this movie. Were you? Like, Yeah, we are just, like, constantly <laughs> laughing. Like, she is so funny, and I think that both of us have kind of a particular odd like we're just both weird oddities like mm -hmm. I think uh, I get emails from her occasionally because she hasn't been able to do the press for this movie she's working on other things of course people mm -hmm. would like to <laughs> she's never going to stop working uh, but I get these emails that are these like stream of consciousness kind of strewn together poems and I'm like Ugh. and she's just going you're shining continue to shine we're receiving your light I'm like God, you are just too good. Oh, that's why she is perfect. I get it. I get it. <laughs> so you've worked with some incredible directors, uh, David Fincher on Panic Room, Sean Penn into the wild, uh, Clay Duvall, uh, Happiest Season. How does that all compare to Pablo Lorraine, who is one of the another great uh, filmmaker and perfect human? Yeah, he is really cool. Um, he is somebody who has an incredibly you know, it takes a pretty crazy, audacious person to commit so fully to a vision and then, you know, encourage a hundred different people to follow it for a number of years mm -hmm. to its finality. And, um, I mean, that's what a good director is and he is a good director, but I would say in comparison to anyone else that I have worked with, um, in no way trying to diminish those experiences. Mm -hmm. But if we're focusing on this one, mm -hmm. The combination of zero, or I guess the combination of a really strong ego, not zero ego, but one that is committed to itself and kind of self-assured, his tireless, like, just kind of psychopathically committed personality, like, like basically, he has, he has a commitment to vision and also an ability to pivot and experience things in life moment to moment and allow other people's motivations to find uh, like roots in their desire. Basically, he sets up chaos and forges a path that is so clear at the same time that mm -hmm. I kind of can't really make sense of it. I think in order to make movies like he makes, which really don't emulate others, I mean, you can find inspirations, but he makes his own films. They're so very much his. And I think that it takes somebody who's just like so confident and has the capacity to 
juggle a good 25 different people's inclinations towards a certain subject, in this case, Princess Diana, uh, and stay on his path towards where he's going, but then also sort of allow room for exploration that, to me, just normally those two things don't go together. Um, He's smart, and he is confident, and he's weird. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, to be committed to that in this business is rare, and he he kills it. Yeah, I I, I call what he does. I, I he's carved out his own lane as the horror biopic. Like it's it's real life, but a different side of it that we don't traditionally get to see. So it's interesting to hear you talk about him that way because that's kind of the it is chaos, but it's but it's planned and it's and it's precise. Uh, and, and what he brings. That's why I, the internet has been saying, like, I can't wait for you to make the Britney Spears oh. version of this because it's going to be very, you know, hit, hit close to home. Um, how did you prepare for Diana? I've, obviously, besides just hitting the voice so uh, precisely, what else did you do in preparation? I mean, I absorbed her the best way that I could. And in, in the, again, like, not to just sort of use the same words over and over, but just in the most kind of like selfish way. She's such an attractive person. She had a born talent for just bringing people in and and feeling like the distances between us close as soon as she enters uh, enters room. And I mean that theoretically. Like, there's something about what she brings into physical space that just closes proximity. Mm. Mm. And that is a talent. It is a God-given, beautiful talent. And... um, there's no way to fully prepare for that. It's like I had to kind of allow people's impression of her, which pretty much aligns with what I just said. Everyone kind of loves her. Yeah. <laughs> um, and just sort of trust that if you get one or two things correct, whether it's an affectation or the sound of her voice in a moment of elation or joy or sorrow, and kind of hope that people's memory of her is what they bring to the movie because we don't tell the entire story. We don't hit every base. Yeah. It's kind of a strange three-day fever dream. And uh, the preparation was kind of absorbing every every detail and then allowing ourselves to have the confidence to forget those details and just sort of do a tone poem about how she made us feel. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, did you see The Crown? Have you seen The Crown? And did that help or not help at all in preparing for this? I think that was like my first step into research like I it's the most entertaining one yeah um yeah I think uh I hadn't I had I hadn't seen it up until the point that we started engaging yeah um in regards to this project but I think I watched the first three seasons in three days like I just Uh binged it and um and then in addition to that it's just every memoir there's what six or seven documentaries like some are good some are bad Mm. um but, uh, yeah, because because everybody already knows this story, we kind of were allowed to luxuriate in feeling and, and yeah. really pick and choose what we very particularly, like, liked and loved about this person versus going like, oh, well, we need to make sure that we remember to tell everyone that this happened. It's like everybody fully already knows exactly all of the <laughs> yeah. stuff that we could factually know. Therefore, now we just have to start being subjective and and lean in personally. And uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, the research was pretty standard. That's awesome. 
Uh, you're generating some Oscar buzz. I am the film awards editor, so I have to talk about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, it premiered at uh, Telluride in Venice, and it received amazing reviews. Does something like Oscar recognition mean something to you? Does that do you feel excited by that prospect, or is it something you're just not really thinking about? I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, even I'm- though it's going to happen regardless, just want to put that out there, but. Yes. Well, thanks for saying that. Watch. <laughs> Dude, yeah, I know, I'm a jinx. For the first time in my entire life, like, made a bunch of movies in my life, <laughs> if you think about it. Uh, the one time everyone's like, Dude, you, I think you're going to, like, get a, no- a nomination for an Oscar. And we wake up that day, and you're like, No, you didn't. I'm like, Well, everyone told me that I was going to. I would never have expected something like that. Thanks for setting me up, bro. Um, I guess they were talking about Clouds of Silver Maria, probably, during that, that run. That's the I big snub so. that we talk about for you often. Well, that's... Sweet. It's good to have snubs under your belt. It's not just about getting nominated, it's about what you don't get nominated for. For sure. I think there are so many, and I'm not saying this to weigh in in any way. um, The Oscars are such a funny thing. Like, there are so many incredible movies and performances that barely get seen. Mm -hmm. And um, it definitely says something about, like, where we're at as a cumulative presence. Like, what we're looking at, what we care about, whatever it's always hard to, for me, like, I'm so, I don't know. I really appreciate that something that I was involved in has ignited such a large conversation. Yeah. Uh, we don't make movies to not connect with each other. And um, I think it's really common. I don't know what I project to, uh, whatever, to perpetuate this. Yeah. But every time it's brought up, it's like, I'm sure you don't want to talk about this and this stuff doesn't matter to you at all. <laughs> but like, what do you think about the thing? I'm like, I'm f- stoked. <laughs> like, I've had this the first time ever. Yeah. So like, um, yeah, I think it also not to um, defer, but it absolutely speaks to her resonance. It just yeah. won't stop reverberating. I think, you know, in incongruence with her, like her and I together doing whatever thing. Like I, I always think about her and wish that she had a best friend. <laughs> um, yeah. And so in this case, even if it's in with it, like within my own ridiculous imagination, yeah. I'm sort of like, look. I mean, you never got a chance to say this for yourself, but like, come on, let's give it another shot. I don't know. It's nice that people are talking about it to the extent that they are, and hopefully, we win an Oscar yeah. for it too. Listen, <laughs> it would like, be well deserved. <laughs> um, where are you on your directorial debut, the cr- uh, chronology of water? Because that has been announced for some time, and I. A lot of people, but I'll just speak for myself. I've been waiting for this a while. So, oh, cool. when is it? When is it uh, coming? Um, so we're casting right now. We have been putting it together, quote unquote. People yeah. at home can't see my air quotes. Um, we've been thinking about this for a really long time. Some movies take a decade to put together. Yeah. I just jump every gun in my life and start sort of talking about stuff before I really it's like relevant um, but it's more relevant than ever now we're casting the movie we're finding our Lydia Yuknovich who's the novelist memoir um, writer and uh, yeah I mean look it's taken a, a long time I've, want, I've wanted to make a m- movie since I wanted to be the youngest director in the world like when I was 10 years old I was yep. like watch me do this I guarantee you talking to every actor I worked with being like would you work with a director that was like under 18 and they were like no <laughs> but um damn those guys I'm so stoked though it's uh it, it's taken the time that it's needed and um 
Yeah, I mean, fuck. I guess there's nothing else I can really say. Like, we're we're casting it. We're taking it out next week to get it so to get someone to pay for it. <laughs> and we don't even need that much. It's a really small movie. It's something that travels. It's a real. It's something that I would have wanted to be cast in when I was younger. If I if I read the script, if I had read this memoir and had anything to do with this as an actor, I would have just. That's kind of what I wanted to design in doing this. It's like, I want to I want to write a character. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, it's derived from a beautiful memoir, but the only reason to make a movie out of a written piece is to do something different. And so in making this thing, I was just like, dude, I, I want to write something that if I was a little bit younger, five years younger, that I would kill to do. And I think I've done that. Okay. And um, I just want to find the girl to just like really kickstart and get going. And um, it's a really beautiful book if anyone listening to yeah. this hasn't um, They'll do anything you tell them to heard do. of it. <laughs> Go read The Chronology of Water. It's stunning. Awesome. Will you be doing a Hitchcockian type of uh, cameo in the movie uh, to have like just to have you pop up somewhere? No. No. Okay. <laughs> Fine. No. There's actually no part for me. I, yeah. I guess. Depending on who plays Lydia, I could maybe play her older sister, but no, I don't. I keep trying to figure out a way to get in there, but I don't want to. No, I don't think so. After the break, more from Kristen Stewart from Los Angeles. This is the Award Circuit Podcast. Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. And we're back. It's a Variety Award Circuit Podcast, and I'm Clayton Davis. We're talking to actor Kristen Stewart, star of Spencer. Unfiltered and brutally honest, Stewart has spoken openly about her choices and roles. After being discovered at the age of eight, she took on small roles in television before landing her most notable role of Sarah, the young daughter of a recently divorced mother, played by Oscar winner Jodie Foster in David Fincher's Panic Room. From there... The industry was hooked. At 17 years old, Stewart took on the role of Bella Swan in the Twilight film, which led to multiple sequels. With very little critical acclaim and an all-too-obsessive media circus, the roles made her a consumer favorite. But with reservation, coming from the quote-unquote academics and quote-unquote serious journalists with any other role she would attempt then and after. Stewart's role as Princess Diana is just one piece of an admirable career that has seen her deliver performances opposite masters like Julianne Moore, Chloe Sevigny, and now Sally Hawkins and Timothy Spall. As our conversation continues, I'm in the middle of peppering her with questions about what she has coming up on her busy docket. Can you tell us anything about David Cronenberg's Crime of the Future? I think that's also on your docket. Uh, can't believe I made my way into that movie. <laughs> so, I mean, that's somebody who I've just revered forever. And, um, he's such a lovely, gentle, beautiful soul and such a freak. And, um, this movie is a real return to form for him. Mm. Um, you know, it's been a couple years since we've had a, 
a movie from him. And yeah. it's, uh, I mean, I've heard him now say like that he didn't peg the term body horror, but it really is like kind of horrifically body centric. <laughs> uh, but in a way that's very, I don't know, I, I feel like it's hard for me to describe the movie at this point. We haven't talked about it much. We've just made it. And sometimes when you do this, when you go through this process, it's kind of how you figure out what what your project is about. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is something that really, really delves deep into kind of evolution and where we're going as a race. And, and um, yeah, having said that, I really can't wait to see this movie. We, like, all, the whole cast would have dinner at the end of every day and go, what is this? <laughs> like, <laughs> what are we doing here? <laughs> yeah, what are we doing? This It's basically like you take, like, sapiens and then mix it up with like some sort of psychosexual Vigo situation and Cronenberg's vast intellectual curiosity. And it's an incredibly ambitious, uh, sexy, provocative, strange, kind of terrifying look at where we might be in an ulterior futuristic A David Cronenberg movie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Thank you. That sounds amazing. (laughs) Uh, Feel free to completely lie about this next question, but I just have to ask you, you went to school with my co-host of The Take, Elizabeth Wagmeister. You were in P.E. together. Oh, my goodness. And she, I want to know, was she good at dodgeball? I wish I knew. I was just looking at the floor at the time. <laughs> <laughs> but you guys were in P.E. together. Really? So Do you she, know what school we were in? Which, which, what grade? Uh, junior high, I think she like said. Sixth grade, like sixth grade? Because I went to sixth and seventh grade. Sixth grade, because I think you left right after that. Oh, okay. she, she shared on the episode. So I went to two middle schools, Parkman and A.E. Wright. Parkman was great for me. I loved it. I had such were they a good both time. in the valley? Yeah, but it's, one was Deeper Valley. One was sort of bridging like Malibu. And so the second it's one- the, It's the other one. The first then. one. Yeah. The better one. Yeah, yeah. Not to be whatever about <laughs> A.E. Wright alumni, but um, A.E. Wright was like, the girls were in Gucci jeans. Malibu was 10 minutes away and I wanted to go home forever. Mm. <laughs> and Parkman was like a really cool school in which P.E. was still uncomfortable and strange, but I mean, we were 12, so. So we don't know if she was good at dodgeball or not. I wish, okay. man. I wish I had a, I wish you had a picture of her, I'm sure. I do have a picture of her. Well, but in, when she was 12. Oh, which was, oh that can't show that. <laughs> I don't have, that would be weird. Um, there's, it would be. There is, uh, I don't know if you're aware, there's currently, right now as we sit here, an internet campaign for you to play the Joker in a Batman movie. Are you aware of this? And do you have any interest in playing the Joker if they ask you to? Um, I mean, I love the energy behind that, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, dude, it's really been done so well, you know, I feel like maybe we don't trips over, uh, but I mean, I love, I love that gusto. Let's figure something else out. You know what I mean? I'm totally down to play like a freaky, you know, scary person, but 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 not the Joker. Well, not no, but like n- not the most stoked I've ever been. No, let's do okay. something new. All right. I like the, like the sound of that. Um, I have some fun questions for you because it's always good to know you a little bit as a person. Uh, favorite comedy movie of all time? Oh, my goodness. Um, bringing Up Baby. Ooh. Uh, movie that makes you cry every time you see it. Uh, Inside Out. Really? I watched the f- last seven minutes of that movie recently on my way to, a, like, a press day, and I was, like, <laughs> yeah, I- I've seen that movie a million times, but, like, even just the last seven minutes, I was, like, I can't have this, someone t- put it, turn it off. <laughs> Would you do a Pixar movie ever? Yeah, of course. Yeah, They're yeah. brilliant. Yeah, I love yeah, them. You do. That'd be awesome. Um, favorite cereal? Oh. Apple Jacks? 
That's a good choice. Yeah. Um, coffee or tea? I like both. I love the sort of ritualistic aspect of it. I'm, I've never been like an, I've never been a coffee every morning type person. Um, mm-hmm. But then I recently got into making it. I love making the coffee, smelling the coffee in the kitchen, having the whole process go down. I like drinking it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the actress you are dying to work with, but have not yet. I was asked this the other day. And so it kind of, cause this is a tough one. There are many, but I did a, sort of joint interview thing with Kirsten Dunst and someone asked me that and I was like, or someone asked like any actress living or dead. And I was like, dude, Kirsten, I've been dying to work with you for my whole life. That's my dream. Stop it. I (laughs) I love her so much. Yeah. She, I had her this season on the award circuit podcast and she is just as great as I'm sure you know, she is as you want her to be. Yes. Yeah. I love her. So, uh, and you guys are going to be hopefully getting your nominations at the same time. Your first, so this is just perfect timing. The fact that she has, has she not had a nomination? No, it's criminal. I would put money. I'd be like, of course she has. I just don't know which one. And then you're like, oh, right. Cause she hasn't had one. She's owed three. Yeah. She's owed three. Three. Interview with the, (laughs) interview with the vampire, melancholia and the beguiled. I was thinking melancholia straight up. I was like, how is that possible? It's, it's a terrible fact, but well, think about it. Look, not to, you know, diminish the whole Oscar thing. So I'm saying some of the best movies ever made, like some of the best performances ever to have gone down. You know, there's five spots. What the fuck are you going to do? Yeah. If uh, you can be given any role, even if you were ill-equipped to play the role, what would you, what would you take? Um, it's not fun to play parts you're ill-equipped to play. <laughs> it's really uncomfortable. <laughs> um, have you had a few of those? No. Maybe like, you know, within my whatever own insecure brain at the time thoughts. No, not really. I think everything I've done, I've like think, you know, I think I should be doing those things. <laughs> uh, a part that I would be ill-equipped to play but would still want to play. I don't know. Hmm. If you could think of it, I mean. No, I just didn't. Sometimes people have Rapid it. fire it, is hard. Rapid oh fire is, it is hard. Yeah. Uh, movie musical that you would take on. Sure. Okay, on my way over here, I was thinking about a memoir that I re- read a couple of years ago. Okay. And someone was putting together the project as a series and thinking that each episode could sort of be non-related to the last, kind of go out of chronological order, have a different director for each one, and kind of just span a life. hmm and I can't tell you what it is because I texted my agent on the way here and I was like, whatever happened to that? I think we could get it going now. Um, and I had the answer for you and everything. <laughs> I want you to do Waitress if it gets adapted into a musical. Waitress. Waitress. The Kerry Russell that oh, got I made it to the movie. Broadway musical. Yeah, yeah. They, I want them to do the movie musical. How I think cute. you could do it. I love Carrie Russell. I think she's working with Liz Banks right now. I don't know on what, but I saw on Liz's Instagram that they're doing something together, and I was like, oh, that's cool. Okay. Uh, and then last question. There's always something that is kind of brewing in, in Hollywood and, and brewing in the social media space that people should be more aware of but are not. Mm. What is that one thing right now that you want to make people aware of that they are just not focused on at the moment? Oh, wow. It could be a cause. I was going to say, Jesus, yeah. this could be intense if I wanted to. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step away from intense because it's been a little intense lately and say that there is a movie called St. Maud that I think is just one of the best movies I've ever seen. Yes. And it's like, I don't know why it wasn't. Well, because this is what happens. This is what we're talking about. Yeah. 
Um, everyone's going to see Spencer, <laughs> but no one's talking about... So Saint Maud is one of the coolest movies I've seen in a really long time, and it's a first-time director, writer, um, who actually just had the privilege of meeting recently. And I saw it like at a horror festival type thing where we it was height of pandemic, and we I think we went to a drive-in movie theater and watched it. And I could barely see it. I was really far away, and it was dark, and like... Well, I guess it was too bright to be able to see the actual projection. And then we couldn't hear it. The sound was all messed up. But it was still one of the most rocking cinematic experiences I had had in a long time. And I hadn't seen a movie on a big screen for a while. It just, like, shook me. Um, And it's so original and just uh, disconcerting and also beautiful. St. Maude is singular and Incredible, and I wish that everyone was talking about it in 2020, but 2020 was a weird year. Yeah, super dope. I actually just skipped a question, and, and I should have asked you this. Uh, Eternals is the first superhero movie to have LGBTQ characters and a couple in the movie. I want to know if you had a had your take on that because it's great to see they're a married Gay couple. people exist. Gay people do exist, and they have and they can have kids too. And have forever. Bananas. <laughs> but what's your take on that? And do you ever want to be in a Marvel movie? Um, never been asked that before. Mm. Uh, Never? Never? I I don't know why that's like literally like, would you ever want to, like, sure, I don't know, for sure. I mean, they do a lot of movies and stories and things. And yeah, I mean, you know, given given the right moment in time, absolutely, I'd be totally open to that. Uh, I don't know much about the storyline of this one, but I'm glad there's gay people in it Mm -hmm. because, you know, they exist. Yeah. They're just so, they're just pervasive, these old fuckers. They're just all (laughs) over, right? It's crazy. (laughs) But it's glad, what do you say to any consumers that are watching? They go, this is what my family wants to see. We want to see, you know, just, you know, pow, pow, pow. And I was doing phaser shots. That was really bad, actually. But uh, what do you say to anyone that says this is not the way superheroes are supposed to be portrayed? Also referring to Superman's son coming out as bisexual in a recent comic. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I would say you've had your time. If if you're happier and more comfortable looking in the rear view mirror, that is where we will leave you, bruh. Oh. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, sure, go watch every other movie that feels like hasn't really touched on what we are. Mm. And we will just continue growing without you. <laughs> you are one of my favorite people. And I'm so excited Thanks, for too. you. And even though you think this is like, you know, not... I think it's going to be a really good year for you. And I'm pretty sure I'm going to have to talk to you again after February 8th when nominations are announced. Just saying. But I don't want to to jinx it. But if anything, we we can talk anyway, even if if it doesn't happen or not. I'd like to just chat with you. I'm around, dude. I'm open. You're going to be around the variety building again. Yeah, I live here now. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for taking the time, Kristen Stewart. Of course, man. Thanks for having me. That's Kristen Stewart, star of Spencer, now playing in theaters. That's it for this edition of the Variety Award Circuit Podcast. We'll be back tomorrow with another all-new episode featuring the weekly Award Circuit Roundtable and an interview with Robin De Jesus from the Oscar-contending film Tick, Tick, Boom from debut filmmaker Lin-Manuel Miranda. The Award Circuit Podcast is edited by Drew Griffith and Michael Schneider is the producer. Be sure to subscribe to the Award Circuit Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you download podcasts. Also, Head to Variety.com and click on the Award Circuit tab to find the latest Oscar predictions and key races, as well as your daily fix of news, analysis, and reviews. For Jazz Tanke, 
Janelle Riley, and Michael Schneider. I'm Clayton Davis. We'll see you on the circuit. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane. So shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.